eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Join, we're doing this on a Monday. I think we both had some pretty crazy Sundays going on. I was running around like a chicken with the Ted cut off and I know you're doing stuff for the national news desk, but Monday I'm joined by Kevin Flaherty. We're going to discuss a whole bunch. It's been a really busy week plus in the world of Kansas football. Kansas is going to the Liberty bowl. There's some drama with Missouri. We're going to talk about, <laughs> and then we'll probably hit on Lance Leipold's new contract and some interesting comments made by Travis Goff on Sunday as well. But Kevin, the weekend championship weekend how was it for you you know it was uh it was pretty pretty exciting and i i think that uh even outside of, of the whole ku thing and, and you know waiting to see where the bowl was going to go the fact that tcu lost the fact that usc lost it gave you just like that little like 12 hour period of okay is the college football playoff committee really going to try and slip Alabama in here. Are they really going to try and do something like that? So it was it, it was a pretty good time. I I, I thought, uh, you know, Chiefs game notwithstanding, I know you're a 49er fan, so you didn't feel that one like a lot of uh, a lot of Chiefs fans did. But it was a good weekend. How about you? Yeah, it was good. I had a lot of fun. Like, you know, obviously I don't really get the chance to sit around and watch football games all the time on Saturdays just because, yep. I mean, this season, man, all the KU kicks were 11 and 230. And that just does not lend itself to getting to sit around and watch football. So I thoroughly enjoyed watching that K-State TCU game, instant classic. I'm excited for the Big 12 in the future. Yeah. I'm sure at some point we'll talk about that in the future, but I'm just so pumped. Like the schedule release that's going to happen at some point in December, I have, I, if there was a date, I would circle it. 
that's how looking forward I am to seeing what the new Big 12 schedule is going to look like. I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, watching Brock Purdy go crazy on a Sunday was super, <laughs> super interesting too. But um, let's start here, Kevin. The sure. Liberty Bowl. I think we kind of had an idea that this was going to be the one. Um, I'd heard that it's going to be Liberty Bowl or um, going to Phoenix. Uh, I can't. First Responders Bowl maybe. I can't remember the name of that one. But it was either one of those two. Liberty Bowl for a long time has kind of shown interest in Kansas. This is something that Travis Goff talked about, but I think it showed up during the season as well, where I think Liberty Bowl people were at games multiple times. There was one point, I think maybe the Texas game, they handed out flyers to media around the press box for the Liberty Bowl. I think they showed a lot of interest in Kansas early, really made it a priority that, hey, if Kansas is available for our slot, we're going to take them and have this brand that's not been involved in a bowl game for over a decade and have it be kind of us as the one that hosts it. So, you know, Memphis, right. It's not a Dallas bowl. It's not Phoenix. It's going to be maybe a little cold. We'll have to see, but in terms of just the bowl game itself, what do you think? I think it's a good stage Four thirty, kickoff ESPN. I think it's pretty good for Kansas, honestly. Yeah, and when you look at the opponent too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think that that's a big part of it is you want people to want to turn into your bowl slot. This is a three, four-hour commercial for your program, and you have a chance to to do some fun things, to do things maybe a little bit differently, to run a little razzle-dazzle, you know, some fake plays, do, you know, some fun stuff. And and, and to have an opponent like Arkansas too, you know, that has, you know – there's a brand there. People know mm-hmm. who Arkansas is, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, I've seen other Big 12 fans. You know, I, I have a lot of different Big 12 fans in my mansions. Of course, I cover more from a Big 12 standpoint in general. Um, and some of them didn't like their bowl matchups because of the opponent. I don't think that's an issue with Kansas. And, and I think that that was something that was important from this bowl cycle. I think – if you came out of this playing, you know, a six and six Mac team, let's say, and nothing against the Mac, but if you came out of this playing, you know, a six and six Mac team, Kansas fans weren't going to be as, as fired up about that. And other people outside people, the people you want watching your bowl game, weren't going to be excited about that. But now, you know, with the time slot, with it being a both a post Christmas bowl, excuse me, uh, and it being Arkansas, I I think that this is this is about as good as Kansas could have hoped for. What do you think? I agree. I agree. I think in terms of eyeballs, obviously it's not it's not yeah. the Missouri game in terms of rivalry, but you throw an SEC logo up there, people are going to tune in. And I think the from a big picture sense, I think this matchup is really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, look at the quarterback battle here, Kevin. You know, obviously Jalen Daniels, we saw him progress through the Texas game and the Kansas state game. And now he's going to get a month to really heal up. And then on the other side for Arkansas, you've got someone in KJ Jefferson that I think is equally dynamic. Yep. And another guy who was a little banged up at the end of the year. And exactly. Right. A chance to get healthy. Yeah. And so I I'm pumped about this offensive matchup. I think this is one of those games that is going to be really fun for the neutral fan. It's one of those where I think you're going to maybe people here's all frame it. People watching in the first quarter is not going to be as much as people watching in the third and fourth quarter. Yep. Because I think that's the type of game this is going to be. I think it's going to be a track meet. I just don't. I think it's going to be like the West Virginia game, like probably very similar. Yeah. 
Exactly. Where I don't think the defenses are going to be able to do much. I think the offensive lines for both these teams are going to be able to play well. I think for me, the trenches will be fascinating to see how Kansas holds its own. Right. Sam Pittman, former offensive line coach, has done a really good job recruiting offensive linemen to Arkansas. How much of a test is that for Kansas veteran defensive tackles unit? And I just think overall, it's going to be an exciting game. And that's all you can ask for in these bowl contests. Yep. And that's a part of the reason why I kind of stumped for, hey, let's get a fun matchup that maybe we're not going to see again. Arkansas Kansas haven't played since 1906. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. And I've already seen Arkansas fans pissed off because they lost two times to Kansas in the early 1900s. Ultimately, <laughs> Arkansas uh, 24-7 sports message board yesterday, just kind of casually seeing what their reaction was to the game. And I thought that was pretty funny. So I think overall, it's a great matchup. It's going to be a fun game. And again, that's all you can ask for with these bowl contests. Get people watching the game. Like you said, it's commercial. And for Kansas, it's great. They've had two really big commercials this year. You had game day in October, and now in December, you're going to get a a pretty high-profile bowl game. Yeah, and that helps with the recruiting. It helps with just people looking at you and evaluating you a different way. If Kansas plays well in this bowl game and wins with what we know that Kansas can return, Mm -hmm. with what we know that Kansas can potentially get out of the transfer portal, Kansas has a chance as a seven-win team, if it wins this game, to potentially get ranked next year Mm. to start off the season. And and I think that, you know, that's, that's part of that commercial and everything. I do think Arkansas's offense is a really tough matchup for Kansas's defense. I mean, not only are they very good, but um, it's it's veer and shoot. It's the old Brile system. They play with tempo at times. You know, Oklahoma got about 75 plays a game. I think Arkansas gets 72, 73 right about. Um, so, I mean, similar in tempo and similar system to what we saw against Oklahoma. Obviously, Kansas really struggled defensively mm-hmm. in that matchup. But at the same time, you know, that was also a matchup that you came out of it and Kansas's offense played really well. And Kansas's offense played really well without Jalen Daniels. And, and you think about, you know, potentially the ability to, to slow some things down with the option game, you know, to change that game maybe a little bit um, from an offensive standpoint. And here's the other thing, too. When you have all that extra time to game plan for somebody, you can pull out stuff you haven't really shown before. Mm-hmm. That's not just on offense. You know, I go back and, you know, there are probably some of these listeners like me going back in the day. I know Mike kind of rolls his eyes and, you know, there are probably other people who are like, would this old guy just shut up? But like <laughs> in, in the Orange Bowl, uh, Kansas hadn't been a blitz happy team all year. Mm-hmm. They hadn't. They had been more of a, hey, let's see if we can get pressure with the front four cover with the back seven. Um, And in that bowl game against Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl, they blitzed like crazy, and they wound up getting five sacks, and Virginia Tech wasn't ready for it. And and so we talk about – I feel like we've talked about on a couple episodes how in the bowl game you can run trick plays, you can be fun offensively and things like that. This is a chance for Brian Borland to maybe show some things that he hasn't shown either. And, you know, Arkansas is preparing – to face this version of the Kansas defense, Brian Borland can show him something totally different over here. And, and I think that's going to be one of the more fun matchups for me is, you know, yes, I do think it's going to be a shootout, but how does Kansas's defense adjust to a system they've seen this before this year? Because yeah. you saw 
you know, Jeff Levy and, and Oklahoma, it's the same system that Arkansas runs with Kendall Bryles. How are they going to adjust to that, given that they've seen it? And, and what is Brian Borland going to do differently in the second go-round against that system? Exactly. And so you mentioned the pace of play here. I pulled it up. Um, Arkansas, the 17th fastest offense in the country. And to put that in perspective, um, teams three, four, and six are all in the Big 12. And it's <laughs> Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And then you go down a little bit um, and you get Arkansas. So they're a fast-paced team. They're athletic. I think this is a big Craig Young game for me. I think on the other side, like I'm excited to see what guys they use offensively. Does Devin Neal play considering how banged up he was at the end of the season, just fighting through things and grinding? Like, does he get seven touches or does he get like 12 or 13? Uh, that's something I'm interested to see. Is Kai Thomas able to go out there and play some? Is Sevion? Is this the Kai Thomas game? I mean, he killed it last in last year's bowl game, right? You know, he yeah. was really good against West Virginia and Minnesota's bowl game. I think it was the guaranteed rate bowl, if I remember correctly. And so, I'm excited to see, and obviously these bowl practices are a really good opportunity yeah. for the team to have younger players emerge. And Lance Leipold yesterday said that uh, this is news to me, Kevin, there aren't 15 practice limits anymore. It's, I guess you get unlimited practices. That's what Lance was trying to explain yesterday. And I, that was surprising to me, but it sounds like KU is going to more focus on the quality of practice than the quantity of practices. I don't think they're going to run the guys in the ground in the month of December, but sure. I think they're going to make those practices count. And Lance Leipold has made it pretty clear that I think the weight room is going to be even more important here, getting guys in with Gildersleeve. You know, think about this week, for example. Um, I'll put a story up on the website today, but basically coaches are on the road Sunday night through Thursday of this week. Yep. All this week then, the players are going to be with Gildersleeve every day. And doing their workouts and getting lifts in and, you know, kind of continuing to build the muscle and strength that you need in the offseason. And then next week, they'll really start to get into practices and doing it that way. So I think overall, I'm fascinated to see who emerges, right? Does Trevor Cardell maybe finally get some momentum going? You know, is Mason Fairchild going to decide to stick around next season? I think these are things that will kind of be figured out in the next kind of couple of weeks. And again, it's what makes the bowl lead up, I think, so fascinating. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think... When you look at this team in particular, Kansas has looked vastly different with fresh legs this year. Coming off that bowl game against oh, Oklahoma yeah. State, when you look at where they were at early in the season versus where they were at late in the season, and I think this is a chance for for Kansas to start preparing for next year, you know, to to do those different things, but I also think Kansas is going to have fresh legs against Arkansas. And so the lack of depth maybe across the program that they've been working to improve maybe that's not as big of an issue in, in a one-off game like this. And so I do think that uh, – I do think it, it's going to be really fun to see Kansas on that stage because I do think that Kansas is probably going to show out really well. I think Craig Young is the most fascinating player in this bowl game and for multiple reasons, but one of them is Kansas used him in different ways over the course of the year, you know, whether he was – lined up over a slot, whether they were starting to send him off the edge like they were doing mm -hmm. more late in the year. And he was maybe Kansas's best pass rusher late in the year. Um, Lonnie Phelps, obviously, you know, vacillating there in terms of health. And, and when you have a healthy Lonnie Phelps, he's he's your best pass rusher. Sure. But, but at the same time, how does Kansas use him against our – I think that's such a, a fascinating deal, especially since – 
you know, the veer and shoot includes a lot of vertical shots. And so if you put him over a slot, you know, he's maybe going to be running with a guy 30, 40 yards downfield, you know, a little bit. I mean, it's in certain situations. And so I think that he's somebody that how he plays in this game will probably determine quite a bit, you know, how the Kansas defense plays. And and even beyond that, I think how he plays, you know, maybe propels him into a bigger 2023 season than, than what he's had so far this year. Even though, you know, if you turn on the tape and you watch, say, the last six games of the year, I think Craig Young would be pretty impressive to a lot of people who maybe didn't watch him super closely. I agree. I agree. We'll do postseason awards maybe next week where we can really dive into some more of the individual seasons and things that were had. But um, let's move on. Let's let's get to some fun stuff. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, there's a report on Friday from Brett McMurphy of uh, the Action Network and Stadium that Missouri dodged a potential bowl game with Kansas. I pulled up the report here um, for our YouTube audience, basically saying that, hey, you know, schools can give their preference and whether it be bowl games, yes, or bowl games, no, and opponents, yes, or opponents, no. And he reported that Missouri said no to potentially playing Kansas in any bowl, but this opportunity was most likely going to come in the Liberty Bowl. Kevin, what did you think when you saw this? Because I was laughing my butt off. Yeah, and I think, you know, some just some background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, teams talk to bowl games, and yeah. they and they talk to their conferences, and when they do that, they express their preferences, and they say to, you know, the SEC or whoever, hey, you know, if at all possible, we don't want to play this opponent for whatever reason. Um, that's not super common, uh, but uh, we'd like to play a, a major school. We'd like to be in this kind of bowl game. We would like to go to this bowl game. This would be our first choice. And then the bowls make their selections. Yeah. And when people see like in a bowl projection and stuff, they see, you know, big 12, number three, big 12, number four, big 12, number five. That doesn't necessarily mean in the big 12 standings. That means the bowl gets its third big 12 choice after the first two bowls have chosen. And so teams can get left in that, you know, depending on if they want to go to that bowl or not, um, they can get left. I I think a big part of the reason Kansas got the Liberty bowl ahead of maybe a program or two in the, in the big 12 that, you know, finished ahead of Kansas in the standings is the fact that it's Kansas's first bowl game in a long time. And I think the Liberty Bowl was attracted to Kansas for multiple reasons. And I think if we're being honest, part of that reason is probably the money that Kansas is going to bring in. Just anecdotally talking to a lot of friends, it it seems like even people who are not that interested in football are planning a Liberty Bowl trip, you know, because they haven't had a bowl trip since 2008. And so that's kind of the background for all of this, right? And so – it's the report was and some things that that maybe we've heard you know in the background as well is that when Missouri expressed its preferences and where it wanted to go Missouri didn't really want to play Kansas and you know I I know this is this is going to probably be unpopular to say because this is this is a Kansas podcast but I, I don't blame them. I don't know what Missouri has to gain from playing Kansas, honestly, because 
Missouri was able to generate some momentum late in the year. You know, they really had the tough start to the year. I think they started two and four. Um, were able to get to a bowl game with a four and two close. Michael, how much of that momentum is undone if Missouri goes to a bowl game and loses to Kansas? All of it. All of it. You can take it and throw it in the trash. Well, Kevin, I'll tell you this. It's already all undone. It does not yeah, matter. Yeah, it, the it, fact that this a, got out is is incredible. It should have been treated like Fort Knox, state secrets, sure. you know, thumbprint to get access. Like, Obviously, I think this stuff leaks from the other side, not Missouri side, right? You think about the guy reporting, Brett McMurphy, the guy who – you go to who breaks all the bowl games on Sunday, right? Yeah. You know, the guy that has it all before anyone else. Yeah. That guy probably knows the right people to get this type of information. And so it, it's accurate, but now the fact that it's out, it, it automatically undoes so much of that. Cause I saw even Missouri fans were like, well, what are we doing here? You can't be ducking teams if you're Missouri at this point in time. And obviously I think it, the game probably would do more for Kansas than it would for Missouri, right? If Kansas loses to Missouri, all right, you know, hey, you, you went six and seven and it is what it is. But if Kansas wins that game, oh my gosh. Like yeah. to beat a team that is in what year three under Drinkwitz and has talked a lot of game. And obviously, I think the best part for me personally is some of the quotes from Drinkwitz where he said, <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll play anyone anywhere. And then he tweets out later, Oh yeah, we'll play anyone here at looking at the stadium. And then the Missouri tweet itself, it's like, yeah, of course Missouri's going to deny this. Sure. Yeah, what else are they going to do? Like, just let it sit out there? No, they have to deny it. This is how public relations works. It doesn't mean that it's true. People deny reports all the time that are true. You know, it, it's just everything about this just compounded itself. And I, Kevin, I made it pretty clear. I was against the, playing Missouri in a bowl game. Sure. Once this happened, I was all the way in. I was all <laughs> the way in. I wanted it to happen. Just for the memes. Yeah, it's great. It's so funny. And so I just everything about this was just incredible. It made my Friday. It made my Friday. Well, that that quote at the bottom, though, I mean, the the industry source, a six and six team dictating who they don't want to play in a bowl. What a world. What a world. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, it like you said, Missouri went into denial mode. I, I kind of joked with uh, with Josh Briscoe, one of Kansas uh, mm. City's uh, radio personalities. I joked around with him that the right play for Missouri would have been to say, well, no, we want to play a big-time opponent and then, you know, somebody who can actually challenge us and then go out and schedule like San Jose State or, you know, oh. something like that would have been would have been like the, the better troll back, I feel like. But, you know, Elijah Drinkwitz has has been that trolling type personality throughout his time at Missouri, and you know it, it's it's kind of funny that he got caught on sort of the other end of, of some of this stuff. And, and like you said, I do think there's some value to a unique bowl matchup, a team yeah. that you're not used to playing, and, and and all of those different things. And you know it's. Uh, it's probably going to make for a, a more enjoyable bowl trip as opposed to, you know, if you're playing Missouri, I get the feeling people be on pins and needles for the next, you know, 25 days or, or whatever. But, um, and they'd be watching the game, you know, biting their knuckles and, and mm -hmm. things like that. But I, I do think it's one of those things that it's, it's unfortunate for Missouri and hilarious for Kansas that it got out and, and obviously, whether you believe the report 
whether you think it's not true, like I said, we've maybe heard some things that, in fact, Missouri did not want to play Kansas. Um, whether you believe it or not, it's not a great look for Missouri that, hey, we we want to dodge on this thing. And so, you know, I expect this to only be a talking point for the next like three years or so until they That's until nice. they actually meet on the field where KU fans on message boards are going to be able to say, hey, you know what? Like we didn't have a problem playing you guys. We could have set this thing up and, and you guys dodged. So it's uh, it's a funny deal. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is. It's it's just great overall. Um, all right, let's get to the contract. Obviously, yeah. Leipold has signed a new contract. Um, I think we knew about it, I think, when we recorded the show last week. Yeah, it was after the Kansas State game, so it had been announced. Um but the details of the contract, I thought, were super interesting. A lot of really interesting nuggets to come out of it. I've read a lot of contracts, and there's a lot of boring language. But this one had several clauses that I thought were really interesting. Um, but let's start at the top with it. Obviously, uh, it's a basically a seven-year, at face value, $35 million contract. It will be more than that. Um, yeah. Let's start with the compensation clause at the beginning of it. So it starts off as a $5 million per year salary. Um, you can break down the payment structure of that differently, but it comes out to $5 million a year. And then in 2024, there or after the 2024 season, there's going to be a meeting between Goff and Leipold to basically make sure that Leipold is in the top half of the salaries in the Big 12. And you got to think about this also at that point, right? You know, Texas and Oklahoma will be on their way out. So, right, Brent, Brent Venables – and Steve Sarkeesian, they're not going to be the top half in terms of setting maybe a high bar for that. You're going to be adding, you know, Dana Holgerson and obviously Scott Satterfield now is going to be the head coach yeah. in Cincinnati. That, that that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm interested to see what the compensation is on Satterfield's exactly. deal. Exactly, because it's basically the really it's the, it's the first benchmarker. And for those that missed it, Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield left Louisville to go to Cincinnati, be the head coach there. And it's kind of the first person to jump for one of these moving programs in terms of the realignment. Um, I'm fascinated to see what that contract is because, uh, you know, you look at $5 million for Lance Leipold right now, um, that puts him pretty well in terms of the Big 12 structure right now. Um, I think it's, I need to look again. I think it's behind Gundy, obviously the Texas, Oklahoma, I think behind Sunny Dykes, TCU. We don't know what Aranda's salary is because they're private. 
Um, yep. I think it might be just short of halfway. Again, I need to look. It's so hard at these things too with all the contract raises that happen. But oh, sure. Leipold's contract, seven years, $5 million a year. What do you think about the actual pay at face value and what they're going to pay him and the fact that they're going to commit to making sure that Leipold will be in the top half of the Big 12 whenever the new Big 12 happens? You know, when Les Miles was hired, um, Kansas was woefully short in a lot of areas you know they were short in infrastructure they're short in support staff um it from from all accounts the stuff around the program was not at a big 12 level it just wasn't you know and and you can you know you can argue for days if whether having enough academic people you know reflects on the field when you're not getting on field results but they didn't have all the pieces around the coach and the staff that you're supposed to have. And one of the things that, that Les Miles and that group did was they started building that out a little bit. And one of the things that a coach who had an interest in the Kansas job had told me was he said, that makes the Kansas job so much more attractive for the next guy because you're showing an investment in football. You're showing that you're willing to, to make those strides. And I, I think, that's my overall takeaway from, from mm. the Leipold contract. I mean, obviously, you know, it's terrific to to have Leipold for, for a longer-term deal and, and all of those sure. different things. Although the buyout's not especially big, and I'm sure we can we can talk oh, about boy. that if he does. If he does, <laughs> if he does end up going somewhere. But at the same time, I think the salary itself, yes, it's nice for Leipold. The assistant salary mm. is yes. really good. Uh, but I think even more than that, if Leipold leaves in two years, this job is so much more attractive for the next guy because you have shown we will step up and pay for a football coach. And I think that was my big takeaway when I saw the salary and everything was not necessarily, hey, you know, it's great that Leipold's at $5 million a year or whatever else it was. If Kansas needs to make a change, you know, at, at some point, if for whatever reason, if Leipold leaves or or whatever happens, Kansas just showed that it invests in football. And, exactly. and I think that that's my overall takeaway from the contract. And like you said, we'll get into the other con- the other clauses here real quick. But I think that that was my big takeaway was if this job is open, it's not necessarily as important for Lance Leipold to get $5 million as it is for the next guy to see that you were willing to pay Lance Leipold $5 million. Exactly. Right. And I think that's the big thing. And I'm trying to find my, I had all the contracts for the assistants in front of me. I can't seem to find it, but basically I'm going to find the numbers right here, but the assistant pool is going to be big, bigger. I should say. I mean, if you saw Nebraska's paying for that assistant pool, that's crazy money, like $8 million. (laughs) That's a, that's just crazy. Um, but the salary pool is going to be um, $5 million, and that goes towards offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Basically, it's the 10 position coaches. And basically, so you want to spread it out. All right, cool. So that basically means that you can kind of get close to paying about $750,000 for your coordinators. Um, if I remember correctly, I think most of the assistant coaches and position coaches are in that $200,000 range right now. Um and I think that comes out to about a $2 million assistant pool, two point something. So more or less doubling the assistant salary pool. And that's huge. You know, I've, I've heard that 
you know, it's just not much. What in comparison to other schools? Sure. Yeah. What some of these guys are getting paid is just not necessarily comparable. And I think some of them came to Kansas with the idea. And this is some of the guys maybe were hired um, outside of Leipold and that staff that came from Buffalo, but saying, you know, hey, in past stops, maybe this isn't necessarily what I've been paid. And now Kansas can do that. So if someone gets poached, I'm not going to name any names because I don't know. I'm not going to try and spark anything here. <laughs> if one of the assistant coaches gets poached, you may have a more competitive salary to go and get someone that Leipold really wants, where I think coaches want to work under Leipold. I think that's pretty clear. I think you see getting someone like Terrence Samuel. Obviously, he has a connection to Leipold, but he's worked at really good places before. Michigan State, you know, recruited five stars there, worked at Syracuse as well under Dino Babers. And so I think the salary pool is a really, really added element. And again, I think we talked about it before. It, it's one of these things that it shows Leipold's commitment, not only to Kansas, but to his coaches. And yep. then he's going to support the coaches as much as he can and, and as much as possible. So I think it's just big overall to pay the assistants just more in general, because I think Andy Kordonek is going to get some calls here for some head coaching jobs before too long. And to be able to say, hey, we can pay you $750,000 um, and maybe in a few years get closer to a million dollar coordinator that's pretty good if you're thinking about going to a job comparable to, to say Georgia Tech, where you know maybe they're going to pay you two and a half million. You know, I, I just think it's a really big deal. Yeah, I agree, and I I think too. You know, when you, I think one of the most important things in college football is staff continuity, and sure. I think um, the ability to come back to your staff members show them that support, give them a, a chance really to, you know, to make, to make their life in Lawrence, to not need to want to leave. I mean, and obviously you get coaches on any staff that, you know, they, they feel like they're ascendant and they want to take the next step when mm -hmm. that becomes available to them. They want a coordinator job. They want to move to a, a quote unquote blue blood program. Those things happen. But at the same time, you know, these coaches have been with Leipold for a while now, and this is an ability to not only reward them for that and the work that they've done in, in getting them to where they're at, but also, like you said, if any of them does get an offer to leave, if you want to make a better offer to them, you can do it. Yeah, and, you have the resources. And, and you have the resources. And if, for whatever reason, that doesn't work out. You've got a bigger pool for, for the next guy and, and everything else. And so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on all of that. Yeah. All right, cool. I want to get to this one. This to me is the, is, is maybe the most important clause in the entire contract. It's the buyout. And then yep. we'll get to the, well, I got a little section here on YouTube under it that we'll talk about, but the buyout. So this is what leverage looks like. Right. <laughs> this is what leverage looks like. And yeah. buyout for Lance Leipold. You look at when I first glanced at the contract and I saw 12 and a half million. I'm like, whoa. And then I saw it's for this until April. So if Lance leaves before April, it's 12 and a half million. That's not going to happen. So after that, it goes to 6 million starting next off season. And then it goes down 1 million for each of the remaining seasons of the contract. 6 million is not a lot of money. When you think about the fact yep. that, Nebraska fired Scott Frost and wasted, what was it? Seven and a half million dollars. Cause they didn't want to wait two weeks. <laughs> you know, like that just shows you the type of FU money. Some of these schools have. And if one of them wants to pay the buyout to get Lance Leipold, they can pay it. 
Of course, Lance Leibold has to be willing to negotiate and willing to go there, which, again, I'm not sure will be the case in years to come. But this is what leverage looks like. And Lance Leipold has a good lawyer. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and I, I love the second part. The second part was the thing that jumped out to me. And for those of you who are who are listening and can't see it here, um, basically it, it revolves around the construction and improvements to the Anderson Family Football Complex and Memorial Stadium. And mm-hmm. it says basically, you know, to, to cut everything else out, it says – you must make feasible progress in this or, or, you know, tangible progress in this or Lance Leipold can walk. Yep. And and I think that that was to me when I'm going through and I'm reading the different things, you're like, Oh, the bump in salary. Okay. Oh, there's the, the assistant pool, you know, okay. You know, there's the buyout. Oh, it's not really that high. The stadium stuff was what, what jumped out to me. Mm. I, I think where you're putting it, on paper, like, look, get this stuff done. It's in the contract that, hey, you have to get this stuff done. You have to make progress or Lance Leipold can, can walk away. And, and I feel like, you know, even even when David Beatty was here, and I'm sure it was even before David Beatty, they were looking at plans for Memorial Stadium. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's multiple coaches ago now. And, and, you know, they were looking at, okay, what would it cost to bulldoze and start anew? What would it cost to renovate? And so if they were looking at it back in 2016 or 2015 or or whatever it was, and we're still sitting here and looking at Memorial Stadium looking the same, yes, I I, I do believe, I, I think... And I don't know if you agree with me or whatever else. I think Travis Goff is a hell of an athletic director. Yeah. Um, but I also think that when, and I think that because of that, I as an alum and you as an alum, I believe that Travis Goff is going to get that process going. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I think Lance Leipold likely believes that Travis Goff is going to get that pro- that going and is going to do it. However, now it's in writing. Yes. And, and the other thing about this that I don't think people talked enough about, this helps Travis Goff. Because Travis Goff can now go into a booster's house and tell him, look, we are this much short for the stadium project or we need money for the stadium project. If we do not do this, this is written down that he can leave. If you want Lance Leipold to be your coach, support the stadium project. And and so uh, I think that it was a smart and savvy move by Leipold and his Leipold's lawyer and Leipold's lawyer. I'm not exactly sure that Travis Goff was super upset about this getting put into writing either. No, he wasn't. And this is a great (laughs) segue to a quote from Travis Goff talking. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's that's a win-win for everybody. That's good for me as the athletic director. It's good for our university, and obviously it's good for for Lance and the program to have that written. It's just you know it, those were uh, not amb- ambitious dates or moments or, or or progressions. Those were what we all knew were going to occur in 2023. If you know that, you believe it. You've got the right alignment. Put it in the contract. Put it in the contract. Put it in the contract. Put it on the contract. Um, 
Real quick, this yeah, is yeah. off topic, but can we talk about the quarter zip game that Bill Self and Travis Goff have? I mean, it, and the funny thing is, like, I feel like fans would just throw money at Adidas if they made those available. But if when you go to buy, like, they don't make those ones available to the general public. And so I see that Twitter complaint all the time, you know, just sort of, hey, you know, Bill Self's quarter zip looked amazing on, you know, in Tuesday night's game. Is there any way to buy this? And the answer is no. no. But, tra- but, but, tra- but Travis Goff rocking the quarter zip, Sam, put it in the contract. You, you got to love it. Exactly. Well, Kevin, I don't know if you saw, but go to the go to the gridiron board on fog.net and look what the first comment is under this video. It's where do I get that quarter zip? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I hadn't seen it, but, but I, I love it. And I, I do, you know, Adidas, if you're watching this, easy money-making idea. You're already making the quarter zips. Make them available to Kansas fans. You yeah. will make a lot of money off of this. Yeah, they will. And also, so one more thing here. Um, the the clause that Travis Goff has to be Lance Leipold's boss um, basically says that the buyout can be cut in half if Travis Goff is no longer KU's athletics director. Lance Leipold talks a lot about alignment yep. in the program. And Travis Goff talks a lot, a lot about it too. I mean, he just talked about it in the clip we just showed you hear a lot about different schools, the athletic director and the head coach, maybe not seeing eye to eye and it being a reason for a head coach leaving or an athletic director leaving. That's not the case at Kansas right now. And I think that's a huge positive for this athletic department, for the program that the head coach and the head coach's boss, for lack of a better term, um, see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff. I think that's huge. And don't forget Lance Leipold is going to have some input on the stadium rebuild and on the facility rebuild. They're going to add square footage to the Anderson family football complex. These are all things that are negotiating chips, pieces to the puzzle of what's going to keep Lance Leipold and Lawrence. If he can have his thumbprint on the stadium, on the new facility, get the things he wants to make sure the facility is there for the players and the staff to work effectively. Um, these are all things that contribute to having a successful program. You know, okay. you just had a bunch of visitors on campus over the weekend. And right now you go walk out and do a little stadium tour, right? You walk on the field, you go to the 50 yard line, you look around. Ugh, it's not a wow moment, right? You have the wow view of the hill and, and campus, but the stadium itself isn't wow yet. And I think that that's kind of the next step. I think for this program is getting to the point where, man, you go to Iowa state, you see that facility, it's, oh, damn. Lance Leipold talked about it, how the last year, the trip to Iowa State, he saw how big the facility was. He realized the type of commitment that Kansas needs to just match Iowa State, let alone what some of these other Big 12 schools are doing now. And so overall, I think it's great that Kansas has it in writing. Like you said, it's great leverage for Travis Goff. It's great use of leverage from Lance Leipold and his agent and his lawyers. And so I think overall, this is one of those contracts that, I think shows who is in control, Lance Leipold. But I think it also shows that Travis Goff is on the same page. They all want to accomplish the same things. And I think that's huge and a huge change from, I think, maybe years past and athletic departments past where maybe things weren't as aligned. Yeah. And when when they built, you know, I, I think this is important to po- point out, when they built the Anderson Family Football Complex, I asked one of the KU coaches at the time, and this is back in the Mangino era. I said, how many recruits is this going to help you get? 
or how many re- recruits is this going to get you? I think is the way that I phrased it. Mm-hmm. And he said none. And I was like, wait, what? You know, you're like, you're spending this money on it. And he goes, what it does is it makes it to where recruits don't eliminate us. Yes, exactly. It keeps the door open. And, and I think that, you know, the Anderson family football complex still pretty nice, but at the same time, you know, there are some things you can do there. Locker rooms, beautiful. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, there, there are some benefits there. Um, it's not as big of an issue of more as Memorial stadium, but you know, KU at that time, they were recruiting a kid from who was considering, I think Kansas and Texas A&M. And I'm not saying Kansas is going to compete with Texas A&M and facilities, but they just needed to have they just needed to have a facility to where the kid could come and not be like, whoa, like this is so much of a drop. I can't I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Lance Leipold's gonna, you know, battle Alabama for recruits or anything like that, but you are gonna battle Kansas State and you are gonna battle Iowa State and you are mm-hmm. going to fight Nebraska, you know, probably with Matt Rule coming in, and you're gonna fight Missouri. Dion. Yeah, and, and and so when you look at, at all of these different things, like I said, it, it's not that having a new stadium, a kid's going to walk in, see the stadium, and be like, "Where, where's the, where's the NLI? Let me sign on the dotted line right now." But if you do get that brand new sparkling stadium where they walk in and, and they say, "Oh, like they're not eliminating you out of hand," it, it doesn't cut you off for a kid that you could potentially get. No, I totally agree. And so I think it's, you know, I think I've said this a few times now, big, big month for the program, right? Getting, getting Lance Leipold locked down, having these bowl practices, having the bowl game, obviously the transfer portal opens. My phone is, I've got it here next to me in my pocket. Um, It's not been buzzing like crazy. So I think that's a pretty good sign that nothing crazy has happened here as we finish up at at 9.35 a.m. But Kevin, do you have any more thoughts on the topics we covered? I think I've exhausted all my thoughts and I'm ready to get writing for the day. One more just just yeah. sort of funny note to end sure. on. Let's do it. Because we were talking Travis Goff and because we were talking Missouri. Did you see Travis Goff's tweet responding to the Lawrence Police Department about Missouri? No. What did he say? So uh, the Lawrence Police Department, let me see if I can if I can bring this up real quick. Did, uh, did he quote tweet it or like what? Yeah, he, he quote tweeted it. Um. So the Lawrence Police Department basically listed a temperature, um, the wind chill, and said, you know, Missouri is dodging Kansas. Oh, he deleted the tweet. Did did Travis Goff delete the tweet? It's not on his Twitter profile. Oh, man. So Travis Goff quote tweeted the Lawrence Police Department and said something like, the temperature is now this. The wind chill is now this. The rest of the tweet is correct ah, about Missouri dodging. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of sad he deleted it because I was just, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like Kansas's athletic director from the top rope, you know, like just just sort of jumping in on this thing. And, you know, he, you've had conversations with Travis Goff. I've had conversations with Travis Goff. He's a guy with the sense of humor. He, <laughs> he he has a sense of humor, and so he, yeah. he was, you know, he was joking around with it, obviously. But that was uh, that was a pretty um, 
amazing thing where people saw that and were like, Oh, like that's, 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 that's kind of a, kind of a funny deal, you know, and a funny response to, uh, to that whole situation. That's so funny. And that's what happens when you have an alumni as your athletic director, you get, you get passionate responses like that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Thank you as always for listening. If you're, you're watching on the YouTube channel, um, obviously stay tuned as you've seen, we've been doing a lot more videos. We'll have some more video content out this week. I'll be doing something later today on the transfer portal and yeah, stay, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on a podcast platform, make sure you give us a five-star rating, uh, make sure you subscribe and then head over to YouTube and subscribe to that channel. So you get all the exclusive YouTube content we're doing on there. Kevin, thank you as always. And we will talk to you next Sunday. We'll see you in Memphis. Yes, sir. Yes, you will. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.